You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my partner, Dr. Jess. And today we are joined by King Noir, master fetish trainer, porn performer, and partner to Jet Setting Jasmine, whom we chatted with not too long ago. Yes, yes. And tonight, you have an event. It's a dungeon event. Uh, it's part of your tour. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we've been doing kinky pop-ups all over the well, technically now all over the world uh, for the past year, uh, going around introducing people to dungeon equipment, to impact play, breath play, fire play, smacking, choking, all kinds of fun fetishes and, and kinky things. And so for people listening who may not know the difference, what is a fetish versus a kink? I'd like to tell people a fetish is anything that we sexualized that's not directly related to procreation everyone has fetishes but not everyone is kinky you know kinky is when you actually put those fetishes into practice so kinky is the actual act of being involved in your fetishes exploring your fetishes engaging in them finding out what's for you what's not for you and then you know when you when you find out like this is this is my cup of tea, this is what I'm going to sip on, that's when you are a full-fledged kinkster, you know? And so what types of objects or scenarios, and I know it's such a broad range, but if you could give us some examples of common fetishes and some of the more edgy ones that you don't see as much of. Well, I think people fetishize body parts, and that's probably the most common one. Like, you know, as men, people are like, I'm an ass man, I'm a breast man, or whatever. Or women are like, ooh, I like a man with a strong back. You know, so either either one of those is is super common and we don't even think of them as fetishes. We just think, you know, that's something I like. But if you look at a man's back and you're like, "Ooh, I wonder what he could do to me by picking me, whatever the case being. Right. Or you look at a woman's ass and you're like, hmm, I would love to whatever. Right. So there now, was a lot of whatevers. I was looking for more detail. But anyhow, oh, I didn't I didn't know how, how much detail I could give on your show. <laughs> I have a filthy mouth at times. <laughs> But, you know, if, if you if you are thinking about things that obviously, you know, a back, babies don't jump out of people's backs, you know, and I don't think anyone's ever given birth out of their ass. So, you know. <laughs> I look forward anything. to the day when you can give birth out of your butt. And it, it's, you could look at my face right now. It's not going to happen. No. No. <laughs> but, you know, like when we ha- when we are turned on by these body parts, you know, even the ones that we do kind of correlate to sex because people think of an acid like oh i want to smack it i want to lick it kiss it bite it whatever right it's not procreation so now we have sexualized something that isn't directly used for sex so that is that is your fetish and that is more of the common things then when we think of something that might be a little bit less common um i know for me someone who's in the industry the first time that i was introduced to the lunar fetish i was just like wow that's really deep Okay, so this is where I interject. I do not know what a lunar fetish is. It's, so it's, please explain. It's okay. I've been in this business for a long time, and I didn't know what it was. It's people who, who are turned on by balloons, whether it be blowing up balloons or blowing up balloons and popping them, watching somebody be scared by a pop balloon, watching somebody lose their breath from blowing up a balloon. And, you know, fetishes come to us 
at many different times in our lives. It could be something that, you know, we experienced as a child or something that happened to us yesterday. You know, so for some people, they might have had an experience where they were at a birthday party or something like that. When they were a kid, they saw a balloon pop, a girl got scared or a guy got scared and they were like, I like that. And as you get older, your brain just the you know the intricacies of the human mind do all the crazy shit that it does and then at some point you're like that shit turns me on so how do you even start to dive into figuring out what does it for you i mean it's easy to think like okay i'm an ass man or i like a back or i like this or that Mm -hmm. but i mean balloon play is something that never would have crossed my mind yeah and even if you did have that feeling initially or when you know you're younger or something how do you have any suggestions on how to start exploring new unusual or different not unusual but just Mm -hmm. different fetishes like well i think just the way you put it is already super important the verbiage and and the semantics of it by saying that it's different as opposed to saying it's unusual right um We tell people as long as you leave children out of it, you leave animals out of it, and people who say no or don't have the ability to say no out of it, it's fair game. You're an adult. Go and explore. So, like, once you start, because so many things that we're told, even even the most basic sex acts, I I can't speak for Canada, but I know in the United States, if I go try to do doggy style in Mississippi and somebody maybe walks in or something, I don't know, or we do anal or something like that, you, you could be arrested in Mississippi for that. You know, so if those things in our in our country, America will sell you sex in every single shape, form, fashion imaginable. They were like, here's water, titties, buy it, <laughs> right? But then at the same time, if a woman is breastfeeding, you know, people are like, that's disgusting. What are you doing? You know, yeah, so they cover up. Yeah, right? they'll, they'll ask her to cover up or they'll try to shame her for it. So like the natural things of the human body are already shamed. Then you have it sold to you. So people are afraid to delve deeper into the parts of them that might be a little bit different. You know, like, for example, like me, I'm an exhibitionist. That's what got me into porn. You know, that's what keeps me in porn. I love it when people watch me fuck. That shit turns me on more than like anything, right? That's how I met you. At a, where were we? Live sex performance, right? Well, it was a porn karaoke, actually. Oh, the pornioke here at Sex Down South. (laughs) Yeah, so they were... Pornioke? They were were hosting an event. You were hosting an event with Jasmine and a few others. You're fabulous speakers, super entertaining, very educational. The type of educators who give you that spoonful of sugar so you don't even know you're learning. And so you played, if I recall correctly, you were playing porn. And did I have to do commentary on it with a few people? Yeah. You're pretty witty. Yeah, I'm a, it was hilarious. I'm a pretty funny lady. I mean, uh, you're stroking your ego here, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All like, I care about, funny. I can get wrinkles. I don't I, care about the stretch marks. As long as you talk about my humor, I'm good. I want to go back, though, for just a, just a second. Did you say Mississippi doggy style? Yeah, I believe doggy style and anal are both illegal in Mississippi still on the books. Yes. I know um, the lady the lady who um, owns Cal Exotics was arrested in either Mississippi or Alabama for selling sex toys. You know, that's like part of her backstory and shit. So there's like, you know, there's, it's it's always so funny to me, like to, you know, for people who aren't from the United States, who are so used to the United States selling sex Mm -hmm. to you nonstop. But then there's a huge portion of the United States and it's not just the Bible Belt where sex is shunned and 
and I always wondered, like, do people have sex through a hole in the sheet? Like, how do they even fuck if you don't? <laughs> isn't that a kinky thing? Like, isn't that, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure that is now, but I mean, like, back in the day, that was, like, something that people were told that they're supposed to do to maintain some level of purity, you know? So it's like, you know, these kind of puritanical values that have been passed down in, I don't even think people have, like, classes on it or something anymore. It's just that kind of value system that's been passed down. But also, you know, some of this stuff was just put on the books in the 1800s and Hasn't been no updated. one ever no one ever took it off, but they use it to actually oppress people in the LGBTQ community or people of color in whatever ways that they find it, you know, usable in that particular moment. Like, you know, like let's say, you know, I'm in Mississippi and they don't like the cut of my jib per se and I'm there with a white woman. So they were like, oh, he was... Not they were fornicating and doing it doggy uh, style apparently sodomy. Well, right. they were they were engaged in sodomy. Yeah. And it doesn't you know matter that it's consensual, and those laws yeah. are applied disproportionately to some populations over others. And you know, how, so how do we break down? How do we eradicate this long-standing shame? Because a while back, actually, I had a a listener write in about their foot fetish. Mm -hmm. And I talked a little bit about the, you know, the psychology of why we might develop fetishes. Of course, we don't know it's different for everyone. Yeah. And there was somebody who wrote in and said that they, they felt like we handled it with too much levity. And you know, you and I, we were alone, so we joke around. So I do wanna really remind people that whatever you're into, and as you said, no kids, no animals, no one who can't consent or someone who isn't consenting, yeah. do you, if you're turned on by you know, a light bulb, not that a light bulb can go anywhere, but uh, you know, I'm just looking at things around the room. If you're turned on by balloons, if you're turned on by clowns, if you're into feet, if you're into earwax, it, embrace it. So For how sure. do we get, how do you, because you are a master fetish trainer, mm -hmm. and so I'd like to understand better what that entails and how you really break down the barriers to help people just feel like they have permission to be who they are. That's like the real meat of what we do. You know, like just as you just kind of like how you brought up a moment ago, like, how do I even know what I'm into? So it's like sitting down and having that conversation with somebody like so we have like a list on the website that might be like 200, 250 different random fetishes. Some of them might be ones that that we all would be like, of course, I'm into that. And I'm others like and others. <laughs> yeah, like, and then other ones, you're like, what does that even mean? I have to go look it up on wikipedia right now or something you know give me so, a few of those for people because I, uh, I think we've got people who like are quite the, learned there's here. one that's like the the what in a berg wheel but it's also it's also known as a i guess people some people call it a spur but it was actually it's like a tool it looks like this it's a little wheel on uh kind of like a stem and it's metal and it rotates and it, it on rotates and it has like it's little prickles at the end of it and it was originally used for phrenology back in the day what's that phrenology was this study that they did on the human brain it was usually used to shit on oppressed people so it'd be like okay. women's brains weigh less than men's okay so we're gonna prove it through phrenology by cutting open a woman's head and right. and the weighing nonsense it around and race then, and brain size and exactly kind of all of that all of that was kind of through phrenology but like the wheel itself like forget all that phrenology <laughs> shit the wheel feels good when you roll it on yourself especially like so I, I enjoy it because i'm really into like uh like i like wax play a lot and i like uh women's nails like scratching and and that kind of like uh that kind of not per se impact but 
I don't know how it's some a, people would say it's impact. Yeah, it's I, I like pain though. Okay. So it's it's like that, but I like the scratches of it. So like with that tool, you can roll it on the inside of your arm, it'll feel completely different than the outside of your arm and just all over your body. And it's kinda like, you know, when they click you on the knee to make yeah. you jump. You know, if they do it on yeah. your physical, they do it on your elbow, they do it different places and it'll feel completely different. So it's kinda like that except with little prickly devices, right? So when we have that on the uh, on the fetish quiz, people are like, "What the hell is that?" You know. So people always, I like I like giving people the quiz because then they have to go and look it up and discover for themselves and either be like, "Nah, I'm good," or "Hell yeah," or maybe you know. And that's the beautiful thing about it. So go to jetsettingjasmine.com and try out our fetish quiz. But like, uh, in 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 order to get people to now accept these things, right? It's usually a lot, and you've spoken to Jasmine, and Jasmine is, you know, she works with, you know, uh, psychology and and all of that. So, you know, we do have to sit and talk to people and sometimes go through how they arrived at this place or how they feel about where they are right now and kind of walk them through that and show them a safe way to engage in it. So, like... Let's go back to balloons. Can't just be stuffing balloons in people's mouths. That's that's dangerous. You know, you might hurt somebody or cut off somebody's air supply, right? And you also don't want to just run up on somebody who has not consented to this and pop a balloon behind their ear. You, you should get your ass kicked if that if you do that, right? I would turn around. So I've got like visuals right now, and it's just it's comical. And to it me. can be, I, mean, it, I know it's not. It, it can be traumatizing for people too. Like I yeah. have an aunt or someone in my family who can't hear the balloon pop because there was you know a shooting in their past. Yeah. So she can't. You wouldn't want to sure. you know, be a partner and be like, "Ooh, this might be fun." So then. How do we find a safe way for you to engage in that with somebody consensually to still get what it is that you're looking to get out of it? Some people, and it's like feet, for example. No two foot fetishes that I've ever met are the same. Some people are just like, oh, I like the bottom of a foot when it's rushed with blood. Some people are like, oh, I like arches. Other people like, like me, I like shoes. My shoes, women's shoes, shoes in general, I got a shoe fetish. You like shoes. I think I have a shoe fetish, like you have, too. Well, you have no interest in lingerie, nope. any sort of gear. You like just put on the shoes. <laughs> just shoes. Just shoes. That's but it. naked with I, shoes is the move. I yeah, love it. That's it. And it doesn't scratch you the way like lingerie can be scratchy. It's in the way. You got to pull it out of the way. Super easy to take off. I yeah. mean, unless you're in like some kind of a well, thigh-high boot. Boots, yeah. Right? But I mean, listen, for me, I don't have to take them off. But yeah, no, definitely. I, it's funny, like... I've developed it over time, my my shoe fetish, because I didn't used to have nice shoes when I was younger. And then when um, I started getting into porn, I used to have fans who'd be like, ooh, can I send you a gift? And my brother was a um, sneakerhead. He was like, you should ask for shoes. <laughs> I was like, like I, I am here to profit off of your porn pretty much. fame. He was like, you need to get these shoes. And I was like, okay. So like somebody got me a pair of shoes. And I was like, wow. Like for most of my life, I had like one pair of Timberlands. And I wore those Timberlands every day. You know what I'm saying? So now I got like LeBron 15s on. I was just going to say like when you came in, I was like, these kicks, man. <laughs> those are really nice and they're shoes. And they're really comfortable and all this other stuff. Like, damn, I've been walking and around these hot ass boots for like 
20 years of my and life. And more importantly, now that you've worn those shoes, and I know people can't see them, but you could auction them off. Yeah, I mean, they've got there your are foot sweat in them. Yeah. And, and there you've are got a following who want to touch and smell and feel your feet. And now I also have a following who want to see me in films without my shoes. So they they will ask for custom videos of me doing stuff with my feet. OK, now you do a lot of individualized work. Yes. So you do master fetish training one on one. Yes. You do the erotic massage one-on-one. Yes. Can you tell us what that entails? So if I want to book a session, how long is it? How do I book? What what does it look like? And I know it's a little different depending on what your client wants, but mm-hmm. typically. Well, everything is kind of custom for everybody, but I always tell people an erotic massage with me is like, imagine if you went to like a Magic Mike show and got a massage instead of a lap dance. So... You know, they're definitely I'm, I'm definitely going to be working out some knots and things, but there is a performance level of it. There's a lot of sensuality. There's body pressing. There's, you know, in a massage, you know, it's a lot of movement, but, you know, they're not going to like jump up on the table, you know. Um, then I also add fetish elements to it as well. So like blindfolds or if you want to get tied to the table or handcuffed to the table, which also like completely elevates all your other senses so like if i take away like i've done some where i've completely done sensory deprivation massages so headphones on that are like noise canceling headphones then put on a uh blindfold so the sense of touch now is extremely elevated because two of your senses are gone you know people often begin with the blindfold and it's a great gateway prop but the sensory deprivation of sound yes. to me is so incredibly powerful because I'm really responsive to voices. I actually recognize voices before I recognize faces. Mm. When I saw you yesterday, it takes me a second to visually recognize people. Mm. Um, I, I don't know, like I must be on a spectrum of something that could be diagnosable. Like I, I walked up to a guy in a store a couple months ago in Saks and I, I thought he was Brandon. I thought he was and, different, different white guy. And I had to say to him, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I thought you were my husband. And he totally thought I was trying to pick him up. I was like, no, dude, get, no. But I want to go back to the sensory deprivation when you're doing that. It is Does it also heighten like the anticipation of what's to come? Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's like you don't know. Yeah, right? absolutely. And so I think because of the intensity of the anticipation, then like i mean if you think about people who are are deprived of a sense in their their in life you know like a lot of people who are blind or have extremely incredible hearing or a different kind of sense of taste like my my mother is legally blind and you can't really get away with saying nothing around her she'd be like what what are you talking about don't say that shit you know what i'm saying so i can hear you signing <laughs> yeah i can hear your facial expression and i heard you roll your eyes exactly i think i can hear people roll their eyes <laughs> so that that heightens that sense, heightens it yeah. that's a part of the experience and then some people will want to get flogged during their massage or there's one that i use candle wax and and ice cubes so it's kind of like you're, you're getting a massage like i'm still you know, like I said, knocking out knots and, and all that good stuff. But there's a element of it that's completely sensual and sexual to it. And is it a happy ending massage or can it be a happy ending massage? It's happy the whole time. Ah, there's no ending? <laughs> <laughs> well, the money runs out at some point. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the laws are in Canada. So oh, that, okay. that's, my, that's my answer. Oh, I see. Okay, so it's sensual. Now, your work is very sensual. Yes. So your videos, and I, I wonder as 
a person of color important as a man, a black man, are you, were you typecast in the beginning as having to be rough and tumble? And of course you can be rough and you can be sensual, Mm -hmm. but is that something that you had to fight to integrate because it's a part of your persona, it's part of what you enjoy? Did you work with directors who perhaps asked you to to reduce that element or play that down? Well, when I first, so I started off in porn when I was 18 years old. Oh, you're young, okay. When I was really young. And at that point, it was very much like, I need to provide for myself. I need to survive. So it was kind of just like, you go into a shoot and you do what you need to do in the shoot. You do whatever they tell you. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then I actually left porn when I was, I think I was like, 26 because um i actually got a job working with youth in my neighborhood and i was like you know you can't do both at the same time then uh i got laid off because they cut my program like all good programs get cut so i went back to adult entertainment but i knew when i came back into it i was like i'm not gonna do what i did when i was younger because i'm not starving right now like you can't force me into you know a situation I don't want to be in. So I have, especially working with jazz, with doing our, with our own stuff, we've created it. So when people do call me from other companies, now they're calling me like, can you come and flog somebody on film? Is that okay or whatever? I mean, and the companies who reach out to me that are like, hey, play Black Convict number three, I could be like, nah, fuck that. I'm not going to do that. You know, so... It has been a lot of turning down opportunities, but I don't really consider those opportunities. It's like turning down work, right? Because I don't, I don't want to portray that. I do want to show that, you know, uh, as a black man, we can be soft and sensual. We can also be hard with BDSM and kink. And I think it's funny because more, it's been more of the BDSM kink side of who I am that, for some people, it's like black people don't do that. I was just going to ask about that. Do you find that because of your openness with the BDSM community or what you do and what you're a master trainer of, that more people tell you and that they're interested or that they they're that they want to try it? Because I find that even people who I meet, knowing what Jess does, mm-hmm. will ask me a lot of questions because it's disarming that somebody else is doing it. So within uh, your community of friends or, you know, or family, has anybody opened up to you and been like, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm really interested in that because, you know, you do it and this is your expertise. Man, or am I totally wrong? One of, one, of, one of my brothers is just like, yeah, I need to learn how to flog. Like, <laughs> because, I mean, he used to do martial arts like I did. So it's like, he's looking at it like, oh, that's just like nunchucks. I want to do that. So, you know, and then I have people all the time that I know in my circle who will kind of reach out. Like one of my one of my closest homegirls, she's just like, when my son gets of age, you're going to teach him because unfortunately um, his father passed away. You know what I'm saying? So she's like, he has the best uncle to teach him to not be a douchebag. You know, so when it's time for that talk, which, you know, there's never a time for that talk. So anytime I'm around them, I'm like, hey, what's going on, man? What's what's happening? You you got a girlfriend or, you know, just kind of having those kind of conversations with him. And she's like, please always check in with him. Make sure, you know, so like a lot of a lot of people in my circle are, you know, they're they're proud of the work we do because it's it's not like we're just 
making porn to make porn. You know, we're we're trying to also educate people. We're trying to also validate how people feel. You know, there we get so many people from f- just people of color in general who are just like, I've never seen black women portrayed in a way where they're in control or they're portrayed in a way that is loving between a black man and a black woman. And, you know, most most of the mainstream porn portrays us in one particular way. So people will reach out in that sense. Or they'll be like, yo, I don't really see uh, people of color talking about uh, BDSM, period. Because it's, and it's, and obviously BDSM is BDSM, whatever you're into. But at the same time, because of our history in this country, there is going to be you know, certain things that are traumatic for us that might not be traumatic for somebody else. Or my skin tone and your skin tone, you're gonna show bruises a little bit easier than I than I will, and I'm light, so somebody who's a little bit darker than me or, or darker than me is gonna show bruises um, slower than both of us. So how do you actually look out for someone who's, who's darker skin to make sure that you don't go to a point where you're like, oh shit, I didn't see this bruise that was forming on this person and now they're really fucked up. I think Jasmine brought that up when we were chatting with her. It was yeah. just the whole process, or maybe it was uh, Nay had mentioned it as well, where it's not just about, okay, I'm going for a session that, you know, my time starts now. It's actual playing at the scene, the actual scene itself and then the aftercare as well so it's quite an involved process and very attentive yeah and and i think that's a really important distinction to make because so many bdsm spaces are very white dominated like so many spaces in sexuality and so when we're talking about the core component of bdsm being safe sane consensual Mm -hmm. uh, the safety part can vary and that's not something that you're going to think about. Someone with my skin tone isn't going to think about that because I can see the bruise. But thinking about how you monitor safety differently, yeah. how you check in with someone, you may not be able to use the same visual cues. And so it's so important to have this range of voices in our space if everybody's going to feel safe. It can't just be for some people yeah. and not others. And I think you and Jasmine, in your work, in, in the creation of porn, in the education, you embody it you create representation but this is in many ways i see it as porn as activism yeah i mean it's funny when we were in uh kenya um working with uh kaz lucas from the spread pod we kind of coined this term where we were like we want to decolonize sex and that's real because if we're going to talk about a world where we're equal and a world where you know Everybody can fuck everybody and have a good time doing it. You know what I'm saying? You do have to actually confront some of these things that are holding us back. And within the black and brown community, you know, um, for especially in America, and, and I found it very similar in Kenya, you know, when you're oppressed, you repress. Mm. You know, and we can see that throughout the colonies. Yeah, like I can see that in Jamaica. Yeah, around the way sex education is approached, and people say, "Oh, it's a Jamaican thing," but we have to remember, it is a colony thing. Yeah, I mean, when you have, like, just kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, like with the puritanical Christian values that were that were forced on people all over, you know, and this this isn't just. Uh, you know, you can you can look back to different uh, 
pagan groups throughout Europe or, or different gypsy groups throughout Europe who were forced into uh, forced into Christianity. Or you the know, indigenous populations yeah, of Canada, for sure. Indigenous populations, or I think you call and it Native Americans here. Yeah, so it's like if you if you're if you're told that your ways were savage, if you're told that you know, I always I always think about in the it's my brain is going all over the place, but like I always think about this one story that I learned about when the when the English landed and the Iroquois sent kind of like their welcoming committee. It was women. So the English were offended that women came to talk to them, so they started killing them. But the society itself wasn't a patriarchal society. It was a matriarchal society. So how so they sent the wise elders of their people to go and talk to them. You know, so it's kind of like you're told that you know, with this, you know, whether it's your skin color or being a woman, being told like, you know, your body is dirty once you have your period, you know, or all all these things that just get stuck in our heads and is forced in our heads and put on the books in Mississippi, you know, <laughs> like Texas, it, <laughs> you can only in certain areas you can only own one vibrator. Yeah, like I mean, the, and culture plays a big role, and that, and that's and so you have all of these different oppressions, your color, your your gender, how you are, what you your orientation, how you choose to love. You know, like I'm polyamorous. Most people will be like, yo, there's something wrong with you for being polyamorous, right? So all of these different things, that makes you ashamed of who you are. So it makes you bottle that shit up, stuff it down, and hope nobody knows about it. So like now you have both of these things weighing on top of you. And when it's time to talk to the person you love, you know, you're not even comfortable sharing all these fetishes and kinks and and ideas you have about expressing how you love your partner which is always gonna it's just gonna fuck up everything because you don't even know what's you don't even know how to express yourself sexually and in a loving way because you've been told that the ways that might feel natural for you are wrong since you've been able to walk and i think what you're doing with your work is you're giving people permission to live how they want to live. And I don't know if you're familiar or if I've ever talked about the plicit model of sex therapy. So everybody needs the P, which is permission. And by living out loud and by putting your work out there at a cost to yourself at some, you know, sometimes you're giving people permission. The next thing they need is oftentimes limited information. And that comes from the posts that you make from the, you know, blogs that you post from the workshops and, and then the next level. So we're going plicit, P-L-I-S-S. IT. And the SS is specific suggestions. So that might be, for instance, you know, when they come to your workshop, they do some learning. Or when you do a private session, you're giving them specific suggestions of how they might live out their kink, how they can let go of that shame. And then the last piece, which most people don't access, is the IT, intensive therapy. And interestingly, you are one of the few duos, you and Jasmine, where if she wanted to, she can offer intensive therapy. You can't offer all those things at once yeah. to everyone, but if you're not familiar with that model, it's worth considering what you have access to in the Plicit model. So permission, limited information, specific suggestions, intensive therapy. It's a bit of an older model, but I think it's relevant nonetheless. And you Absolutely. have done a really good job it seems not only do you have multiple businesses between the two of you and you're a bit of a power couple, but navigating the way you prioritize family. Your kids are on the road with you. 
Um, it sounds like you have a lot of support around you. I don't know if that comes from both sides of the family. Uh, it hasn't been a challenge navigating work that is seen as edgy, work that often is not seen as legitimate, mm. but of course is legitimate hard work. For sure. Um, has that been difficult to navigate with family? Uh, in in some areas, yes, and in some areas, no. I mean, uh, my mother actually is a health activist. Uh, she helped to create all kinds of programs in the inner city uh, from Jersey and New York City. Um, so she also helped train a lot of uh, high school nurses on sex education. So my mother cracked jokes. She be all in it. She loves that we do education and that we push safe, safe sex and, and getting tested and all that. Like, I always think with her, like, one time I was doing a shoot somewhere and they lost my luggage. And my mother was like, well, good thing you don't need clothes for your job. <laughs> you know, so, you know, like, on on that sense, she's she's very supportive. Um, our kids, I mean, we we tell them age appropriate, you know. Um, you actually teach about sex positive parenting yes. and you're an excellent resource for that. Thank you. And, um, you know, for them, it's kind of like, yeah, 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 you're our parents. Like, yeah. But... You keep making that money and getting them sneakers, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, but, um, you know, so like on that level, I mean, for me, I think the hardest challenge is I, I came, besides doing sex work and, uh, and uh, activist work that I was doing, I'm, I'm, I'm a hip-hop artist. And coming from the rap side of things, you know, it's like homophobia central, you know what I mean? So like to be talking about LGBTQ rights or, you know, I have... You know, it sounds mad, mad cliche, but I have friends who are whatever. You know, I don't yeah. I don't discriminate against people for who they fuck. Like that's their business. Yeah, or for you their know? gender identity. Yeah, I know none you of work it. With trans people yeah, I work. Yours. I work. I shoot with trans performers. So you know, a lot of them have kind of either distanced themselves or don't mention me or whatever. Like on that side of things, has what been do you more mean? because of the because of the sex work that I do. Okay. So you know, you mean like, from the hip hop or community? From the hip, from the hip hop side of not things. Not trans folks. No, not trans okay. folks. Trans Sorry. folks, yeah, it's fine. But like on the hip hop side of things, so you know, like for me, I don't know. I I, I think that has been weird because like I grew up hip in hip hop. You know what I'm saying? So that probably has been the one area. But besides that, like my people who rock with me, they've rocked with me. And it's been very interesting like to see how some of my music fans have expanded into the other work that we do and then how some of the people from the kink stuff are like, oh shit, you actually make music too. Let me go check it and out. And your music is good. Can you you leave us with a song? What do you want us to play? Ooh, I'd like you to play my song, Polysutra. All right, we've got that. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us. Thank you for having me. Really interesting insights. Thanks for being here, babe. Thanks for listening. Don't go yet because we're going to leave you with this track from King Noir. Polly Sutra off my album, The Royal Fetish Experience. Sex music, have a good time to it. Hot like a radiator, dance floor, vibrator, rattlesnake, shaking that thing that a mama gave it, thumping like a drum major, even supermodels ain't, I'm the one that's taking a home, nigga, that popping later. Hot like a radiator, dance floor, vibrator, jump back when a hip snap like an alligator, thumping like a drum major, even supermodels ain't, I'm the one that's taking a home, nigga, that popping later. Stilettos, orange peel on Moretto Sex appeal, feel ballroom to the ghetto Rose petal, yeah, but as sharp as the thorns Queen John with the crown, she was born to perform Kinky like Pinky and she do films too Hustle in the blood with a high IQ 
Sapiosexual keeps it professional Beauty intellectual brain is exceptional That's a double entendre Shopping cart full of ropes changing XL condoms Conversation is foreplay Live shows online swing on the doorway She worked that pole, twerk those hips Pop that pussy like she pumping those lips Erotic touch was stripping in the VIP And the best part is, if she leaving with me, she's Saint Andrew's Cross, an underworld summon, me a man of the cloth. Roleplay, just another way for getting us off. This thing here for life, no kind of divorce. Punishment is poetry when pain is pleasure. Her fetish is fishnets, latex, and leather. Safe words placed all based on trust. Shades of gray ain't got shit on us. Body gets worshipped by substance surface. Fill a body up and fulfill my purpose. Massage her cervix, deep conversation. And when she make a clap, get a standing ovation. Show me what you got, take it to the top. Shake and let it drop, make a thing pop. Dom in the dungeon, all eyes on we. And the best part is that she leaving with me, she's. In a body for sin Come up for air, she wanna taste herself from my chin Eyes of an angel with a devilish grin We get it in like the world about to come to an end <laughs> Practice sex magic, tantric witchcraft All in the box, watch me saw in half Got degrees in sex bird advice, you know the motto Never fuck the same way twice Debauchery of all sorts, hedonism resorts Uniform and stilettos and some poom poom shorts Shorty stay thuggin', sex toys in her luggage TSA wanna touch it, but it's not in they budget now What's a king without a queen? Treat her so good, fuck her so mean Royal, All live in HD And the best part is that she leaving with me, she Listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life, improve your life.